culture to the podcast with the violinist he has his favorite violinist he'll talk about him in a minute but meanwhile i am joe Forsaro, and welcome to the man on second podcast on real voices of the game productions and joined as always by co-host and producer dave d'agostino our mission is to raise the baseball iqs of our audience and we will do so today and more so with our special guest scout kimball crosley of the San Diego Padres. Kimball has a very interesting story because he also is an actor and um, and he has a very diverse background. This should be a very fun conversation. And and actually Kimball's doing this this podcast, I think in the, in the lobby or in an office at a, at a hotel because scouts got to scout this time of year. But before we bring in Kimball, Dave, welcome and what's going on at the at the network? Oh, thanks. Thanks, Joe. And always love Man on Second. This episode 247 on our network for our audience. We want to thank 40,000 plus subscribers right now, 73 countries. We added Cuba last week. Thanks to your guest, Joe. Victor Mesa Jr. got us heavy into Cuba right now. So we're talking all those young baseball players over there. But uh, I'm excited for Kimball today because we, we have a, a very, very intellectual audience, grassroots all the way to MLB front offices. And we're expanding our network, obviously, with our listenership, our countries, our horizons, as you mentioned, our violin music. I, I got jokingly accused of being an old man on the lawn shouting out the clouds uh, by one of our DMs. And uh, so that was Fritz Chrysler on the violin, not just my favorite violinist, but Ty Cobb's as well from a, a book I just finished, Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty. I recommend it to anybody that wants to get a different perspective on on Ty Cobb. So. Uh, with that, Joe, I'm excited for for Kimball uh, for you. It's going to be a great guest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in advance, we'll apologize for some background noise we might hear because uh, Kimball will explain where he is doing this. And we're pretty enterprising here uh, at the at the network. And and Kimball has made a little bit of a computer issue work for him. But Kimball, welcome, my friend. How you doing? And, and alert our audience of what you're you're up against right now. Uh, my pleasure. No, no problem. It was just, I, I don't know why um, we couldn't get this going on my uh, team computer, but maybe because it is a team computer. And so um, I'm using the computer in the lobby, you know, but it's it's not the most busy lobby I've ever been in. It's a little quiet, but it's kind of random when somebody might walk through here, but so far so good. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep that in mind for our audience, but Kimball, we, we're going to, we're going to, cover a lot of ground and a lot of topics, but you know, scouts are very passionate to me. I, I love scouts. I love talking to scouts and they always have such really interesting stories. Your background, you, you were with Blue Jays for a while. Uh, you were a journalist at, at one point. We'll get into your, your complete story, but I kind of, you know, the, the trade down line came and went a couple of, about a week or so ago. Uh, you know, you know, just, you know, working with the Padres, just kind of fill in our listeners because we have a lot of, a lot of people are just curious about what's going on in the inner workings. What's that like for a scout, the final month leading into the trade deadline, just kind of take people through that. Well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's really different than our, our, our usual routine, you know, and it's funny because most fans 
when they see us at a game, we'll say something like, who are you here to see? And usually it's like, I'm not just here for one guy or a couple of guys. It's general coverage. There's nothing pressing going on. This is just what I do all the time. I see a lot of players, you know, usually whole teams and evaluate every player on the team and stuff like that. But when the trade deadline comes, it is a little different. And we're kind of the last few weeks before the trade deadline, we are zipping all over often day to day, certainly week to week with different assignments. And yeah, sometimes we, we kind of go in to see just a few guys. And sometimes it's because something's really going on right then. Sometimes there'll be a change like, hey, trade talks are off with them. Change of plans. You're going to go there instead. And and, you know, that's it's very exciting and it's very different. And it's it's more like what I think the fans view our lives is like. But but now after the trade deadline is back to the, the routine where I'm just like seeing guys for down the line for the future, you know, and just to have coverage. Yeah, were you in a were you in a lot of big league parks? Were you were you, were you back and forth from minor league parks to big league parks during the deadline? How was that working for you? Um, I was uh, just a second. I'm, I want to make sure that this hotel computer doesn't log me off to inactivity. <laughs> I just got some notice, so I'm I'm trying to figure out how to uh, make just sure touch the cursor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just moving my cursor, so I'm trying. Yeah. To... All right. So anyway, um, I was. Uh, Mostly in minor league parks this time. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think back. It's all a blur in my head where I was. But no, I, I, I was I was mostly in minor league parks this time. Uh, and in the past, I, I've been all over um, with sometimes a blend, sometimes major league parks. You know, I think maybe because we were sort of the Padres were sort of in between whether we we're buyers or sellers, and you know there was debate about that. But also, it's some of it's regional, like. Um, you know, because we're going day to day, it gets more regional at that time. And, and I was sort of staying in the Northeast near where I live, where it's easier to just, Hey, change plans and drive there three hours away instead of like jump on a flight and go cross country, you know, cause you might always, might not always be able to do that and get to games in time. Yeah. It's, it's like you say, it's a blur, but it, it never ends. And I, I think that's obviously the deadline and that month or you know, certainly six weeks to a month leading into the deadline is really a time for scouts to shine. You know, that's that's when it gets interesting. Like you say, you're monitoring the big league club. Are you going to be in, you know, big league uh, parks, you know, basically adding from big league teams? Or if you're not or, you know, if you're selling or if you're doing a combination of both, it takes you to these minor leagues parks because you might be shipping out a player who is a veteran player on the big league roster for a player in the minor league. So uh, how do you, is that one of those things, Kimball, that where your sleep patterns change a little bit more than normal? Uh, yeah, a little bit. This time wasn't too bad, but there's, there's been times where that's definitely the case. And I remember one year um, at the deadline, we had a conference call deep into the middle of the night um, when I was on the East coast and maybe, you know, it was easier for the West coast people, but, but that was a, a bit of a change. Um, and I should say that, you know, one interesting part of, this deadline business that people don't always think about is they're always thinking about the player we got because we went and saw them. Well, oftentimes it's about the players you eliminate, you know, um, the trades you don't make, which can be so important when, you know, other teams are trying to like say, Hey, you're interested in this guy, you're interested in that guy. And you go to see them and you report back to the office. Yeah, not so much. You know, I wouldn't give up what they're asking for, for, 
this guy and you feel like you've done an important service because you don't want to, you know, get something bad in a trade either. Yeah, absolutely. And just for our audience, you know, I've known Kimball a number of years, always have a, you know, always great to see him and pretty much Kimball, I've, you know, I've seen you on backfields probably as much as I've seen you in the big league park down in Miami as well. And that's where, you know, I know you're a grind, you know, all scouts do, but that's kind of the fun of it, you know, being back there on those backfields and, or in a, a minor league, uh, a little bit bigger stadium and, and just seeing the kids, seeing the players. And, and like you say, you could get pretty good reads. I mean, how do you kind of say, you know, how many, how many looks do you feel you need to have to have kind of a feel for a guy? Well, a pitcher really, um, almost just any outing. And sometimes if, you know, he goes five, eight pitches, like some incredibly quick inning, it, it might be hard, but just about any outing and certainly a starter. If I feel like I've, I've gotten a start, you know, um, I've gotten a good feel from him. And I know that might surprise fans because they might say like, well, what if he has a bad start? Well, we're not looking at results. We're seeing what he does and what he can do. And even if we see like his breaking ball is not on that day, we might be able to say like, hey, that's still a good breaking ball. And of course, now there's so much data that you, you have out there that you can, you know, confirm those thoughts as well. Um, pretty much. Uh, but then position players, it takes a couple of games. Sometimes it can, you know, it can be really random. I mean, sometimes you see a game and you see a kind of guy get a little, do a little bit of everything he can and can't do. And then sometimes you'll sit on a guy for three, four days and you're just begging them say like, come on, <laughs> hit a ball deep to the shortstop hole. So I can see, you know, what kind of range the shortstop has, what kind of arm he has. And, and, um, you know, sometimes it, it really varies, but, you know, a lot of times you, you can get just a couple of games with the position player and get a good feel for what he has, especially if you can get a batting practice session in. Yeah, absolutely. You, you kind of know, you know, right? I mean, it, you know, I look, I'm not a scout, but, uh, but you know, I've been at backfields and I'll have a pretty good feel for that guy looks like, you know, obviously you're talking to a lot of people and it's not just the immediate result, but you, you kind of know what it looks like when you do it enough, you know, meaning... Um, how they look on the field, how they move, uh, their actions, their arm actions, th their swing. Uh, do they look like the game's hard for them, even to, to do something fairly minimal? I remember, you know, talking to a scout early on, because I've been, as you know, on the beat over 20 years, uh, talking to a scout in the press box at the old Marlin Stadium there, and we were just watching batting practice. That's when the when the Brewers had uh, Ricky Weeks and uh, uh, Prince Fielder, uh, yeah, Prince Fielder, and 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 those guys and. And I'd say, okay, what are you looking at? One of the scouts said, he said, you see how easy, you know, obviously Prince Fielder's uh, skill set kind of spoke for itself. But he said, just look how easy that power is, how how easily MVP is clearing the wall with such an easy swing. And just things like that you pick up and then your eyes and you, and you just talk to as many people in the sport as you can. And you get a pretty good feel pretty quickly on if guys can play or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. And uh, Dave, jump in because we're going to talk about some f really fun off the wall stuff in a minute. So, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to preempt that at all. But question, Kimball, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, analytics and old school style get talked about in either or type of category. I don't know why they have to be mutually exclusive, but um, how do you balance the two when you're not just watching a player, but also reporting back to the club? Well, that's that's, you know, one of the things that's made this job so great for so many years, because you're always refining your tool set. And, you know, 
going into my background a little bit, like I was not a baseball player. I grew up in New York City and I was more of a basketball player. And I just was really into math, really into the numbers of the game, really into Bill James early. I'm talking about like the 80s here. And um, and so that sort of like was was my first introduction to baseball was really early analytics. And so much of what my process has been is to try and blend the two and figure out what the analytics are missing and what your eyes are missing and, and, um, and really trying to blend. And that's an ongoing like uh, um, goal for me because it's just, you know, especially with all the new analytics we get, you know, and sometimes it, it kind of blows my mind. Now we can like get induced vertical break and I'm trying to figure out like, all right, what does that tell me? Does that tell me my eyes are deceiving me? Does that confirm what my eyes see, you know, and um, it, it's just what makes this game so special. You know, I, I love basketball, but I just don't think it, it has all those same, you know, levels and colors that baseball has when you're trying to figure, figure the game out. Yeah. I got asked the other day because I actually, similar to yourself, I have a basketball and a baseball mixed background, both as a, a college athlete and a college coach. And I got asked because I do have an analytics background as well by a young scout. Similar question I asked you. And I, it's a tough answer. And the best thing I could give him was, and I I like for you to expound upon and tell me if I'm on pace or out in left field, pardon the pun. But I said, analytics will give you likely probabilities, kind of avenues to explore. And I said, but when you're looking at the human, the hard part is there's endless possibilities. You don't know how far that guy can go. So you don't want to cap him off with a number. You don't want to pigeonhole him with a number. So you got to kind of blend the, you know, the likely possibilities with the endless possibilities that a human can give you. It's, it's not an easy job. No. And you know, what I always tell people is like, um, you know, analytics are just what's happened in the past. Obviously they, they can try and use them for, uh, forecast the future, especially when there's been pretty reliable results in that regard. But all it takes is for a human being to change what he's doing slightly and it could throw off everything he's ever done. You know, so when you see a, a pitcher come up with a new pitch or a new delivery, a, a batter changes swing or his approach, it, it can really overhaul all that data. But conversely, it's a funny how, how often, especially when you're talking about um, long track records, that even a physical change, a mechanical change, somehow guys will still regress back to whatever they were. You know, there's a reason why they were the way they were. And we're always fighting that. I'm always fighting that. And that's that's kind of a test with my eyes. You know, like when I saw a player right before the deadline and, and um, I was impressed with his his handling the strike zone. And this is a very prominent player. And and yet when I went and looked at the data, it wasn't that good. And I had to say, OK, well, is this because he's learned? He's a young player. He's learned. And now I can expect this in the future. Or did I just happen to see, you know, four games where he really, you know, had a good feel for the zone? Yeah. And, you know, again, talking to people and trying to get to it, you know, you go through everything and it'll be very fun for me to watch this player going forward. We didn't acquire him and see like, you know, if, if my hunch that he was on the right path is correct. I would, I would think, and Joe, this would be my last question. I'm sorry, I'm mm-hmm. I, uh, hijacking the middle of the, the interview <laughs> here. But the uh, your background as a studied and practiced actor, which is storytelling. I would think that would be one of the greatest tools for somebody studying analytics to tap into because to me, 
and again, correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong, analytics is not an absolute number. It should be more of a story like we're talking right now. Like you saw a player play over four games. You looked at the number. It didn't match. Right away, you're thinking why, and you're thinking about the story. Uh, do, do you see people fall into that trap thinking analytics is a, an absolute number where it should be like you're describing a story? Oh, they, they definitely fall into that trap. And, and, you know, and I think they're doing a better job of avoiding that. I think they've found, you know, in their mistakes, people that do a lot of analytics, they're like, oh, they realize some of where they went wrong, too. And going back to my background. But I think if, if you want to go, the acting thing is, is more about like, it's funny. It's not so much about telling a story. Um, it's, you know, people don't really realize this in you know, a lot of people, but acting is a lot about figuring out people's objective, you know, Stanislavski, their super objective, what they're after, what they want, you know, what, what they value, what their goal is. And so I, I think that that comes into my scouting more than other things. Cause when I watch a player, you get a feel for like, what's he about, you know, is he about the show? Is he about trying to make money? Is he about trying to win? Is he try, about trying to like, you know, hide his flaws? Is he, is he, he kind of got to aggressively go after his flaws? And I try and get into their head a little bit and figure out their objective and their why and who they are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll pass back to you. Yeah. And just another reminder for those, if they, they tuned in a little late, Kimball is in a hotel lobby, so you might hear some background noise. And that's kind of the fun of the podcast is we improvise game of adjustment, right, Kimball? And, uh, and we're, 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 we're a podcast of adjustment. You mentioned eyes deceiving. And, and that's where I did a double take, Kimball, about it was probably, I've been trying to call you or wanted to call you for about a little over a month, but I knew you were on the, on, on really busy because I happen to be watching television and I'm watching uh, the <laughs> channel that's uh, uh, some, maybe our audience has seen these. Uh, they're very fun. Uh, the food that made America as one of the, one of the episodes. It actually was the episode of Chef Boyardee. And I'm just watching this and not even, yeah, I'm paying attention, but I'm not glued in. And all of a sudden this, this character comes in and I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, it can't be. And then I'm like, I'm looking, I'm, I'm like taking photos of the TV. I'm sending it to my son. <laughs> I'm like, who of course is a scout with Arizona. I'm like, is that Kimball? <laughs> and then we do, and we find out you're, you're an actor as well. And then when I mentioned it to you, you're like, I said, I saw you on Food of um, Built America. And you're like, which episode? And I'm like, you're in more than one. So, <laughs> so obviously, uh, you know, you're a man who wears many hats. Talk about that, how you squeeze that time in, and, and what it's like uh, to see yourself uh, on, on, on television. Well, it's, it's sort of a, you know, I was an actor growing up, you know, in New York City. I was actually in, in college. I was a double major, journalism and theater. And I, I kind of love sports. I love, you know, acting. And I knew I would pursue one or the other. And um, I kind of made the early choice in life not to pursue acting as a career, you know, especially growing up in New York City. I knew that it was just insane. And that really, if you chose acting, at least in those days, you didn't really have another option where I always knew like, hey, I can, you know, pursue my interest in sports and still always act, you know. And so um, I really got out of trying to act professionally um, 
up until the last several years ago. And, and I, I did, you know, things on the fly and performed in plays and things like that, some random things that came along. But it was kind of funny that around the pandemic, a fellow actor, um, you know, told me that he was doing all this stuff and he was doing it virtually. And, and then I think I came along at the right time and I started doing these sort of virtual auditions. And part of, you know, why I chose not to be an actor is when you're young, growing up in New York City, what being an actor means is making sure your day was free to go from one audition to another where you sit in a hallway and wait two hours to be seen for five minutes. And it's just, you know, you can't do anything else, really. But but now you can send a, a, a tape in um, of yourself doing a scene and get cast in something. And so around the, the time of the pandemic, I started doing that. And um, I started getting, you know, some work, some commercials, some things like that. And it was fun, but it was also helped bring in some money, you know, during the pandemic. And so I've just kept on doing it now, especially because I can. Um, and so, like, I can, I can go and tape an audition. We can't do a podcast from my room, apparently, but I can do a, <laughs> an audition from my hotel room and send it in and, and things like that. And, and then, of course, you know, what people might not realize is how much free time a scout has in the offseason. So mostly I, I do what I do, you know, in the offseason. And um, I can then go and tape an episode of a show or a commercial in New York City. And it's, and it's very, I mean... You might have seen the highlight of my career. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I did shoot another Food That Built America episode. I don't know if I ended up in the cutting room floor, but I was that was a fun one because I was playing um, one of the Rawlings brothers who basically, you know, invented baseball gloves um, in the early 20th century and really revolutionized them and, and sold them. And, uh, and it was such a fun scene for me to do, especially with my baseball background. Um, but it, it, and you might say, well, this is food that built America. What does that have to do with anything? It's like, exactly. I think it was all part of, I think they were trying to do an episode about um, 4th of July and the backyard barbecue. And I think they realized, well, between, you know, the, the charcoal grill and the food and the burgers and the hot dogs, getting the gloves in was, was not going to happen. I don't know this for sure. It's funny. You don't find out much. You don't like, they don't tell you what's going on. You just wait for your episode to air. So I might've ended up on the cutting room floor, although you can still look for that one. Maybe they'll put me in some other episode or some other show, but that was a, that was a better, bigger scene, a couple of scenes than I had in the uh, chef boy RD episode. Oh, I'm going to have to yeah, watch I've that. Got, <laughs> I've got commercials and different things and it's, and it's been fun and it's also made me some money. And, and, and the thing about it is, how long did it take to, to shoot your part? Because you're only in it, what, a minute or two? It was just a scene where the actor who was playing Chef Boyardee and they, they gave the big how he changed the pronunciation and all the other. It was, it was just kind of funny. You know, it's like because uh, they're making spaghetti in a restaurant, which was revolutionary back at the time. Like that was like a big deal. And it was really kind of, kind of funny and uh, compared to now where you – get everything and then they had the idea let's let's put it in a in a box i think originally and then it obviously went to a can and then you pop in as a vendor so yeah, that, yeah so it take how long did you did you spend doing that? Is that days is it hours yeah. what, what is well, that well that's why i can do it because it, it's actually a surprisingly quick process you know and and um you know you, you send in an audition tape most time nothing's happened sometimes you get contacted back for a follow-up audition or audition tape you know, 
all virtually, but then they just say, Hey, okay, we cast you as the food vendor in this episode, you know, here, your, here's your script. Um, show up at, you know, five or 6 AM here in Brooklyn. I think we taped that one in the off season a couple of falls ago. And, um, and you just show up and you're there, you know, a lot of the day or most of the day and they, they shoot your scenes. And I think, I think they probably shot everybody's scenes in a day or two there uh, for that one. I, I'm not sure. Cause I just know that it took me one day for mine, but yeah, that's why I can do it as opposed to like a, a play, you know, with my background in theater, like you have to commit several weeks to rehearsal and usually several weeks to performing, you know, at least several weekends. And that's just not possible with my schedule. Um, but yeah, you can, you can do a commercial or a film, a, a spot in a show easy in and out usually in one day. Yeah. It, and it's fun. How did you get put on to uh, that? You know, the food that built America. I just love those because they're always the same thing. Like I saw the one where Wendy's, you know, was challenging uh, McDonald's and it was the whole big, you know, the whole big thing. Like the, the Big Mac was the, inv- the invention of the Big Mac was the Whopper pushed pushed McDonald's. And they always show like like uh, Ray Kroc at, at McDonald's, like sitting in there and he's throwing down a a Whopper because it's better than, than their regular burger. Cause it's three times the size. And they always had that, that look on their face when they hold up the, the perfect burger. And I just always love the acting in, in that. And they're this, these actors that, you know, probably are people who are passing on the street are, are these actors that are doing those roles. Well, yeah, that's the thing because I think they, they shoot that show in the New York area. And of course there's tons of actors and, um, a lot of these actor, the, the jobs I get, I do have an agent um, uh, back in Boston that puts me up for roles. But that one, I believe, was just off of a, a, a website called Actors Access that you can join for a certain amount of money. And then it just has postings and you set up a profile and and you can submit for different things. And I think I got that role through there. And, and that's what happens is like there's there's just so many actors looking for work. And it can be so random what you get. And that was just one role that they said, yeah, come on in and, and do the, do the show. Um, uh, yeah. And it was, it was really a lot of fun. It was, it's uh, I think it's a pretty good show. Like when the times I've watched it. Oh yeah. I, I always enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Dave, jump in. I'm sure you want to participate in this one. I just got one, one word, Batman. <laughs> what? what about Batman? What about Batman? I saw well when I when I was researching for the show, looking up, you know the the roles. I saw police. He played a police commissioner. Was it the TV TV series Batman? No. So this is like and and I I've been involved. Um, when you're an actor at my level, you you get all sorts of different um, possibilities. And you know I've been up for I was I, I was had an audition for the movie The Holdovers that's coming out now with Paul Giamatti who has some baseball background there um or yeah Paul Giamatti right Um, and uh so that was a big time audition you know I didn't get the role unfortunately but then there's all these other films I do like student films and just you know different levels and so the Batman thing is just it's kind of a funny thing and maybe I'll be listening but that's just kind of a bit of a, a nutty guy that contacted me a couple years ago and said he's doing what's called a fan film. And I don't even know how this, you can do this, but you can make a film. And as long as you don't, you're not trying to make a profit on it, it can be an homage to the film. So he's trying to make a full length Batman film 
like there aren't enough of those. And he, he asked me if I would play Commissioner Gordon. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. But it's not happened yet. <laughs> it's on a budget. I researched the budget on it. And I was like, huh. <laughs> it, 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 it might not happen. But the, when somebody said, hey, you want a chance to play Commissioner Gordon? I said, sure. But um, so, yeah, that's sort of funny that that one pops up on the Internet most because he's probably trying to publicize his upcoming effort to do the film. But it, who knows if it will ever happen? That was a cool one. I'm a, I, I love, I'm a hero worshiper. I love the, the superhero stuff. So Donate one, some money. Get him on. <laughs> oh, I know. I, when I saw Batman, I said, oh, please tell me he was Batman. Please tell me he was Batman. But Commissioner Gordon's good, too. That's one of the prime. Yeah, prime I think I'm too old for Batman. Yeah, you could do it. What, what is, what's, what's some of the other uh, movie shows that you've tried out, or tried out for, like, the holdover that, that are worth mentioning? Paul the G. Holdover, the holdovers is the biggest one. Um, but I did shoot something that I think might be decent um, uh, and have decent play. It's called Paranormal Nobodies. And it's, and it's a series that I think they hadn't yet sold to whatever network they're trying to sell it to. But it's a series and I got to come in for a day and play, and it takes place in like this prep school. And I was the principal of the prep school, and I just had a couple of quick scenes. But I'm kind of excited about that one because I think that might get some play if, if the series gets picked up and if, you know, I get to go in it. And I, I guess it was the pilot. I should say it's the pilot for a series. So they're trying to like sell it, you know, out in L.A. And um and so even though I had a small role in, a, in, in, in the pilot, I'm thinking, ooh, let's hope this goes big. And they bring back the principal from the pilot and I get to do that. But that was probably the biggest one. The one that's sort of funny is um, uh, I did a Fisher Investments ad. And if you're baseball fans, which I know you guys are, you know that that MLB channel shows a lot of Fisher Investments ads. And I was like, wow, this ad's going to be on a lot. But my Fisher Investment ad, I don't know why, is not on often, if at all. And it was a, it was a good role. It wasn't a speaking role, but I was pretty prominent in it. And, um, and I don't know. Like, again, you don't get told these things. They don't tell you, like, hey, your commercial is going to show here and there or when and why. But that's too bad because that would be fun. But I have had some scouts say they saw me in the Food That Built America or this Wayfair ad that I did with my girlfriend that we both were in coincidentally and um, a couple of other ads have been out there. That's awesome. <laughs> Obviously you, you can't say you cause that would be an easy answer, but when they make your, your movie, who's going to play you? Um, well, if they make it soon, Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, he, he can do it cause he's so spry, even though he's older than me, but I'm pretty old. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I get Sometimes I get Richard Gere, but that would be a real flattering view of me. And I've gotten soupy sales as well, but I think he's passed away. Yeah, he's a long time ago. <laughs> soupy sales. Wow. Uh, boy, that's awesome because, you know, I guess you could be in an Indiana Jones movie, you know, so that would be uh, you could be cast for that. That would be pretty cool. Uh, no, it. It's, you know, it, it is fun and we're, we're having fun with this conversation, but it just shows, though, just how, you know, baseball is such a big part of all what we do, but it isn't all that we do. And, and a, a lot of respect to, that you could find the time and how therapeutic is it for you to instead of just writing reports all day and we're breaking down video or in play, uh, you know, going to places, being a scout, because 
it's like you after a while it's addictive i got to get my 600 reports done this year 500 reports done this year and got to be on this guy and you don't want to miss on this player because if we miss on this player we could have traded for him and i feel the guilt that i didn't do my job so you need to you know balance all that and then you know you have a diversion so how much is is that kind of therapeutic for you oh it it, it absolutely is i mean it's just so much fun to do something different like um because when you scout you know it can be really lonely existence. You are spending a lot of time in your hotel room, just plugging away at reports, quickly getting something to eat, going back in there. And yeah, at the game, you see people, but a lot, especially now, you don't always see a lot of scouts. The game I was at last night, there was one other scout and he said he's leaving tomorrow. So, you know, that's all I got. And to, to get to do something like this, whether it's virtually, you know, whether just flexing that muscle and, and, and you know, when you do an audition, you're still committing to the role, you're still getting to perform, you're still getting to play the role and it's fun. Um, and then certainly when you get cast in something, it, it really strikes me the dichotomy of it. Like, you know, the, the different life, you're different with a totally different group of people, you know, very artsy people. And, um, and the set is so, you know, uh, bustling and, and energetic and interactive, you know, it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different world. And I really like it. And I, I should say like when I, you know, we talked about basketball earlier. Every year I've, I've coached basketball in the offseason since I've been a scout. And, um, and I always tell people that what's so great about that is it shows you the other side because we can be cold and calculating as scouts. We sit there in the stands and we evaluate guys and we're harsh and we sometimes forget there's a human being out there, you know, under that skin. And when you coach high school basketball, as I do, you know, you get the opposite. You're dealing with flesh and blood right there in the gym every day and personalities. And you realize like, yeah, it's to, to figure out what's going on inside the player as opposed to just seeing what they're doing on the outside is, is so interesting. And I think the two, honestly, I think they serve each other. You know, what I learned from one serves the other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, Dave coaches, and he's uh, he scouts. He does everything. Dave, what do you think about you know all that Kimball brings to the table? Well, I think the the way he the way you describe it, Kimball, I get asked the question all the time because I, I do I do scouting in multiple arenas. Uh, I'm involved now, sometimes reluctantly, but in grassroots sports because my children are in, engaged in it and they're doing pretty well. And um, I have a language background. People, the, the hardest question I have to answer, I guess, is mostly to my mom: is what do you do? <laughs> and then podcast, and I try to stay away from that question. But from, and I guess I'm a long way to getting to the question I'm asking you. I always get asked, "How do you do it?" And to me, it all kind of flows. It's all part of me. It's all part of who I am. And to give up one of those things would be almost like taking a piece of myself away, and the others won't work. How do you make it work for you? Well, I, as you said, you know, that's that's exactly right. They are all part of me, and um, and luckily. I can do it, um, you know, like when I when I gave up acting is because I thought I couldn't do multiple things. But again, now acting is is, you know, a kind of a job you, you can do. Like, you know, I, I can do a self tape, uh, you know, in the day before I go to a game at night in between writing reports, you know, and then coaching basketball, perfectly opposite of baseball season. You know, like the seasons are like in perfect opposition that there's been very little, if ever, a time where I've had a conflict, you know, between the two. Um, and so I, I think, I think you can do them. I always wonder like, geez, you know, 
the other scouts, when the season ends in September, you know, or October, what do they do? I would be so bored. You know, I would be so bored because we, we stay active. We stay on the phone with our front office. We write lists. But it, it really, you know, there's only you can't there's not much to do in the offseason when you're not seeing games. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good way to keep busy. And I I'm a I'm, I'm a basketball person as well. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you're doing doing multiple things. You're doing things at multiple levels. What, what disciplines do you take across all three of those things? Cause obviously, you know, you sounds like you're doing for vocation, but you're also doing it for fun. What disciplines and similarities do you see in what you view in ball players and then maybe what you see in yourself as an actor and then maybe what you're trying to get across to these high school basketball players? I think kind of what I said before, like your objective, you know, like, you know what it's like when you coach a kid, you know, if it's hard is in the right place and especially basketball, there's a lot of kids that they just want to be out there for the, the highlight reel, you know, moment or something like that. And you learn pretty quickly, like who's really trying to like, you know, help his team win the game with what, you know, he or she does. And, um, and I think that's true in baseball. And I, I honestly, I think that's true in acting too, you know, because, you know, the, what you learn as an actor is to key into your partner and you're trying to like get something and work with your partner more than you're trying to like do stuff yourself. And if you both do that, you'll work well off each other. So again, I just think it's like, is, your, is your, what's your objective? Is your heart in the right place? Is your, is your end goal really to serve the bigger piece? Um, I think that's true at all three of those disciplines. What about now to kind of turn it, turn it on yourself? What is, what's your end goal with each of those things that you do acting baseball and coaching high school basketball? Well, honestly, I, I think, um, you know, part of what you learn as an actor and, and, and as a player too, is also just be in the moment. And if you think too much about where you can get to or your goal, like if you think, um, you know, I'm going to get to the World Series. Well, the best way to get to the World Series is to stay in the moment and hit the ball, <laughs> you know, sharply and not dream of the World Series. And I think kind of my life, I've tried not to like think too much about it. Of course, when I was young, I dreamed about being a GM and then you realize how hard that is. And you just realize it's best to just enjoy the journey, you know. So I know that my acting career is pretty piddly, but it's been so much fun. And I don't think about like, oh, I've got to, I've got to get a law and order episode or I'll be miserable or, you know, I've, I've got to you know, like become a GM or I'll be miserable or even in basketball. Like, you know, if I'm not a college head coach, I'll be miserable. No, you, you realize that what you're doing is what you enjoy and you enjoy it at that level. And, um, and really it's the same level. For example, like, you know, if uh, I've never really even thought about trying to coach at a college level, one that would probably conflict with my job, but also, that's not coaching to me. It's recruiting and dealing with all sorts of other nonsense. Whereas when you coach high school basketball, you are coaching. You're working hard, you know, to really get the most out of every player. Yeah, I, I, I like the message. And it actually reminded me of a book I just read by a former NAIA football coach out in Washington. His name is Frosty Westering. The title of the book is called Make the Big Time Where You're At. And that's one of the key points that he brings about in the book that you brought about here with that message, you know, it's, you got to stay in the moment and you don't, it's not 
why you coach, or it's not where you're coaching. It's why you coach. It's not where you act. It's why you act. So I like that message. That's great for the, especially the kids out there listening. Yeah. Of course, I'm hoping this podcast launches like my career in several directions. <laughs> oh, we, I'll tell you what, we made a couple of Amazon bestseller books out there. So we'll get <laughs> your back on this one. We'll put it out. <laughs> there you go. You know, this so is- I, will, I will plug my book. I will use that segue to plug my book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I am a dad. And one of the stranger things I did many years ago when my kids were three and five or two and five was I wrote a children's picture book, something I thought I would never do. But of course, I was in the right frame of mind when my children were young. And it's out there. It's called, you know, When I Am With Dad. And no one buys it. They're mostly in my basement. But um, if anyone in the podcast is interested, you can find it easily on Amazon, When I Am With Dad. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kurt Ickes was on our podcast twice, and he has he has some books for youth on uh, he's, a, he's a psychologist, uh, works with a college baseball program at Ashland University and, and all their sports. And he wrote books for adolescents on how to approach an at-bat, how to approach the game. Tremendous, tremendous uh, author and came on the show. It was Amazon number one bestseller one month later. So we had him back and kept jacking him up the list. So it's uh, we'll do the same. We'll see what we can do with this. We'll have fun. Wow. With well, that, if that happens, I will be amazed. <laughs> we'll put it out. I promise you. Joe, go ahead. No, I, I think this is probably a good spot as ever as any to, to kind of wrap this up. We know Kimball's he's out there on assignment and, and he's been gracious enough to, to give his time and he's been flexible enough to uh, make the adjustment and do a podcast from a hotel lobby as we're we're talking about, you know, scouting, acting, coaching, and writing books for youth. So the, this has been a wonderful podcast, Kimball, my friend. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, and uh, and we'll have you we'll have you back on in the near future. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yeah, uh, Dave. Any last things? And Kimball, remember, hang on for a few minutes. You know, yeah, a few we seconds when we go just, just want to rethink our audience. Make sure you keep download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. The rate and review allows us to battle the analytics of the podcast world, kind of like we do in baseball sometimes, and. If you decide to rate and review, toss a little five-star here at Joe and write a nice comment down there. And we'll be certain to make sure that anybody that that uh, reviews will will try to pump out one of Kimball's books to you. But, um, Kimball, thanks so much. I read it, I read an article on you. Or I think it was maybe another podcast you did, but they referred to you as a renaissance man. And I think you lived up to that reputation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. With, with that, uh, yes, thanks again. Kimball Crossley, check him out. Um, you may never know. He might be in a commercial. If you're watching The Food That Built America, Chef Boyardee, watch that episode. Kimball makes an appearance. And uh, and then for those who go to games, they will see him uh, working hard in the bowl behind home plate, doing what scouts do when he does his day job. Kimball Crosley, San Diego Padres scout. We really appreciate it. Dave D'Agostino, another you know, great episode and, and fun to do this. Uh, we're building this network. It, it keeps growing and it's exciting to be part of. And, and with that, I am Joe Forsaro, man on second, and we are out of here. Yeah.